tuned in this evening. I want you guys to know that we have people from all over the globe who are worshiping with, worshiping with us virtually. So we just want to say thank you to all of you who are coming through and who are worshiping with us. Where are you tuning in from? We want to know. Tell us where it is that you're watching this stream, where you're worshiping with us virtually. And I want you to let us know in the comment section that we can give you a shout out and again say thank you for coming through to worship with us tonight. Listen, I did not come by myself. I came, y'all, with somebody who many of you guys would recognize. He actually launched us into our QR2 Prophecy Edition, and he did it with power. He did it with poise. He did it with the conviction of God's spirit on his life, and I want to welcome him into the virtual studio tonight. So go ahead and put your hands together, and let's welcome none other than Dr. E.D. Peeler. Dr. Peeler, are you in the virtual sanctuary? We are here we are here and excited to just be with you tonight. I want to first of all just congratulate you. Uh, you have done an amazing job of leading this out. I'm so proud of of what what God is doing through you and through this ministry. And so I just want you to know that all kudos goes to God. But I want you to know He has used in a mighty and impactful way. So I'm just so so excited just to be here once again with you. Well, thank you. We appreciate you for coming and gracing us with your presence again. And God has been good. I can't believe that we are finally here at the tail end of this thing, man. God has been moving in a mighty way. We've had preacher after preacher, psalmist after psalmist, co-host after co-host, and it's been a great time. Let's go ahead and shout out some people, Dr. Peeler, who we got tuning in. We got somebody all the way. What is that? Is that from, uh, let's see, what, what flag is that? Is that the UK? Okay. Um, we got Long Island, New York in the building. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got, wow. let's see, the Bronx is in the building. Let me let me holler at those who are in the Bronx. We appreciate you guys for coming through. Of course, we have Bermuda, who's in the house. You guys are always representing. Um, who is this? Wow. Uh, Dr. Peeler. Looks like we got St. Louis, Missouri in the in the building. Louis. Hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. all right. What about this? Like, yeah. Alabama. We appreciate. Oh, by the way, uh -oh. we have Trinidad and Tobago. I see. I noticed that flag right there. We got some folk from Atlanta. Again, we thank all of you for yeah. tuning in and for watching. If you all don't mind, um, look, we got somebody from, is that Oakland right there? Let's see. Oh yeah. We got somebody from Oakland. Yeah. Yeah. Ricardo Major. Hey, thanks for coming through. Let me see. I think there's a some Bay Area folk who are worshiping with us. Yay. That's Doc's oh, Lana. over there. Yeah, we appreciate you guys for coming through. Yeah. Now, listen, listen, we want you to share. We want you to share. We want you to share. Um, we want to make sure that those with whom you're in connection know that this is happening, that they can join us in worship tonight. We're going to have a good time. Again, we are now in the sacred space of the Sabbath on the East Coast. Um, all of y'all on the West Coast, you're still getting there. You're right on the perimeters of the Sabbath. But who in here is just grateful? Who is in here grateful for the Sabbath, for this sacred space where hey. we can just rest in God? And it's not just rest right. from regular work. We can rest in our emotional lives. We can rest from all of the trauma that we've been exposed to on social media and the news. Listen, we just need rest. Do y'all need rest? I hope you I hope you take full advantage of this opportunity yeah. to rest. Dr. Peeler, how are things in your neck of the woods going? You know, everything is everything. Uh, we're right there where uh, your president is and all of the ma <laughs> the madness. Uh, but are we <laughs> we that uh, God is still on the throne. Uh, the church is doing well, uh, even in the midst of uh, this pandemic and all of what the chaos. Uh, I, I have just seen God do many great things, uh, especially uh, people drawing closer to God and just taking uh, God's word seriously, because I, I really believe that we are living 
in some very, very uh, uh, tumultuous times, but they are pointing to, to the coming of the Lord. And so I, I'm just excited. Uh, I'm the family as well. And so I'm you for asking. For sure. For sure. Listen, we have so much to, to pray about, y'all. Um, there's there are things that are happening in our country, things that are happening around the world, things that are happening in your household, in your family. And we want to make sure that you know that we are teaming up with you, that we are interceding on your behalf. We know that with much prayer comes much power. God does hear and he answers prayer. And we're going to do some praying tonight. We're going to pray over you. I want to mention a couple of requests that I want you guys to pray for, especially as you go to your prayer closet this weekend. Can you guys please pray for the C family? Um, we lost a warrior, soldier um, in yes, Dr. C, yes. and they're going to memorialize him next week on Monday. And we want to pray them through this process that God would send the comforter that he promised to send during times like these. And let us not forget um, the Pearson family. Uh, we want to continue to pray for them Absolutely. that God will keep giving them strength. We also want to pray for my friend, Demi. Remember, I mentioned earlier this week that he was in a, a very serious car accident over the weekend. And he has been in critical condition, but God is with him. God is answering our prayers and we want you to keep on praying. I can't wait so he can actually share this testimony with us, with his own lips, with his own mouth. But pray for Demi. Call Demi's name out in prayer. All of us who are dealing with sickness, we have some family members and friends who are sick. Let's pray for healing. We believe that God can send healing with the word according to Amen. Psalm 107. So pray for those who are sick. And just the list goes on. Let's continue, guys, to stay on our knees. Let's continue to be in a place of prayer and connection with God during this season. And we know God will hear and he will answer prayer. As a matter of fact, do you mind, Dr. Peeler, just taking us to the throne now? Do you mind just praying on our behalf, interceding on behalf of everyone who's tuning in from around the world? Um, let's go to God now in prayer. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come declaring that you are King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Yes. Do you declaring that, that there is none like you? And so right now we just uh, acknowledge who you are. You are God all by yourself. Lord, we confess our sins and we know that uh, through thought, deed and behavior that we have not always been like you even this past 24 hours. And so, Lord, would you just now uh, give us a favor and just pour out your, your blood on our sins one more time so that we may walk aright and clean. I thank you, Lord, for the gift of forgiveness. And so, Lord, we, we just uh, are just thrilled by the fact that we can be at one with you. Lord, we just want to thank you. Thank you for bringing us to another week. We thank you, Lord, for, for provision, Lord. We thank you for jobs. We, we, we thank you, Lord, for family. We thank you for church. We thank you for the we thank you for this quarantine revival. So in the name of Jesus, oh God, we're just asking that you would just uh, accept our praise. But Lord, um, there have been losses this week. And so would you just continue to be with uh, the C family, Lord. What a, a mighty warrior uh, Dr. Russell has been. And, and Lord, he has laid his sword and shield. Would you just give him, give, uh, give his family a, a sense of, uh, of release, but most of all of comfort. So seniors to be near and dear. And Lord, uh, I, you gave me the privilege of uh, doing the graveside service of uh, Pastor Pearson and his family this week. And so Lord, we're going to ask that you continually bless them and all of the requests all over the world. Lord, we know there are needs. Lord. There, there are things that people need uh, uh, finances, Lord, of of health. And we need healing today, Lord, of mind. 
And Lord, right now, we're just asking that, that you would begin to touch in the name of Jesus. We know that there's power in your name and there is a, 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 a privilege that we have to come to you knowing that you can adjust every situation perfectly. So I thank you, Lord. Have your way tonight in a very special way. We need to hear another word. I ask that you now just continue to cover Lord Pastor J.D. as he continues to lead, uh, be with his father in a very special way, Pastor uh, James Doggett, Dr. Doggett, and be with their entire families. Put a head protection because we know that the enemy is busy because many lives have already been changed. So every heart that has been touched, Lord, keep them strong. Every ear that has heard the truth, help them be convicted. But most of all, Lord, we're looking forward to today when the wicked will cease from troubling and the weary will be at rest and that he that will come and you not tarry. So in the name of Jesus, all over the world, Lord, send your anointing. Let us receive your word tonight such as never before change and transform. And then when you come, Help us to be ready. I thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to pour out our souls and hearts to you in the mighty and master name of Jesus. I do declare that you're good. Amen and amen. Amen and amen. Thank you, Dr. Peeler. We need those prayers, man. And I felt the spirit of God moving even as you were praying. So thank you for leading us. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to announce to you that yesterday, yesterday, we put out the call that listen, we want you to team up with us, partner with us so that we can continue to bless those who are struggling in this season of financial crisis during this COVID-19 pandemic. Listen, so much is happening and many people are in and out of jobs and and families are struggling. And listen, let me tell you, you all last night responded to the call. Dr. Peeler, I am happy to announce that just today we were able to send $1,100 away to bless two families who are struggling, yes, who are struggling and who are in need of some financial help. So you all did that. You blessed them. You partnered with us and you were able to get them through. We are so excited about that. And we celebrate you and we want you to know that we have two more nights, two more nights tonight and tomorrow night. You have the opportunity to give so that others can also be blessed. Again, let me remind you and encourage you that 100% of what you give goes toward those families who are struggling, those requests that come in, those people who reach out and say, look, we are struggling. And we always make sure that we connect with them. We make sure that the whole process is secure. So you can you can trust that the money that you send, the seed that you sow will get into the right hands and it will help somebody in a practical way. So if it is your desire to help those who are struggling and you want to team up with us taking these two opportunities tonight and tomorrow night, we want you to do just this. Go over to the Cash app and we want you to know that you can use the Cash app by sending your seed to the money sign, the Q Revival. Again, that's the money sign, the Q Revival. And we thank you so much for using the Cash App. And then we have PayPal. You can use PayPal, paypal.me forward slash the Q Revival. Again, that's paypal.me forward slash the Q Revival. And then if you don't have either one of those, you can go over to our website, www.theqrevival.com, where you can use a card, credit card, debit card. It's secure. And everything that you give will go toward helping those who are struggling in this season. Thank you so much for being God's hands and feet and for always responding when we put out that call. Did y'all have a good time last night? Dr. Bird came through and he preached a power packed prophetic word. Dr. Peeler, it was an amazing night. The spirit of God moved. 
But but Dr. Peel, I feel like God is going to move again because we're here and we're hungry and we're wet, waiting and ready. And God has positioned a man who has the anointing of God's spirit on his life to preach the word of God tonight. Do you mind sharing with us, Dr. Peeler, who is it that's going to be preaching to us tonight? We have uh, a West Coast brother. His name is Dr. David Hudgens, and he is an amazing man of God. Um, he did his first uh, career in business, and he was very, very successful in the uh, insurance business, and he was a high-ranking official. But God arrested his soul and, and gave him another call for the, the last 20-plus years. And so I want you to understand that this man of God is a man who has distinctly given his life over to the master. And he is a man of the community. He is a man who always puts God first. He's married to uh, the former Jeannie Canson of California. But I want you to know he has several beautiful, talented children. But I was so amazed when I went to his church that he served valiantly and the faith for several years in East Palo Alto. And I know there's some East Palo Alto saints in the house. I saw Lana, but I want you to understand that while there, that church took off, went to the next level. It was in the Central California Conference and he was in the community. They did amazing evangelism, amazing things to make sure that the community was connected. But while doing that, he kept preaching the word of God and the church grew uh, by leaps and bounds. And because of that, God uh, allowed him to merge and mesh his business and his word. They called him into the conference office and he it has for the last several years uh, been uh, the, the personnel and human resources uh, director for the Central California Conference, along with many other duties to inspire people to give to the kingdom. He is always on the circuit out on the West Coast and he is very well loved. And so I want you to know that you are in for a word from Dr. David Hudgens, who is in the conference office in Central California, a great friend of mine, a, a, a decent man of God who is very well balanced. And I just want you to know that I am on the edge of my seat ready for a word from that great man of God. Amen. We're looking forward to it. Thank you, Dr. Peeler, for sharing that brief introduction. And again, we are on the edge of our seats. But ladies and gentlemen, I want you guys to know that you need to share this. Look, be a digital disciple. Let's go ahead and put our our evangelist, our virtual evangelistic gear by merely pressing that share button. And I want you to go ahead and share this stream. Share it. We can tell. We want you to be a sharer. If you don't mind, when you share, go ahead and put in the comment section, sharer, so that we can see you and celebrate you. And thank you for sharing this stream. Again, thank you guys so much for coming to worship with us tonight. Look, we're going to have a good time as we lift God's name up in song. So after our song of preparation, after this song of meditation, we're going to hear from the man of the hour, God's man, Pastor Hudgens. But before we go to our song, I just want to encourage you guys, let's get these numbers up. Let's go ahead and share. Make sure you press the share button. If you're on YouTube, share. If you're on Facebook, share. We need you guys to share this worship experience so that everyone with whom you're in contact can receive 
this mighty and power-packed word. I hope you guys are ready to lift up the name of Jesus. At this time, we're going to, again, have our song of preparation. And thank you guys so much for joining us tonight. Let's lift God's name up in song. Relentless Church. Wherever you are, I need to put your hands on it like this. Come on. Yep. Everybody clap like this, like this, We want to see you. Yeah, no. So open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Just open the eyes of my heart. Because I want to see you. Say, I want to see Just open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart, cause I wanna see you. That's our heart today. I wanna see you. Wherever you are, let's raise it together. Come on, say. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes. Come on, if you want to see him in the midst of the noise, in the midst of the chaos. Come on, just ask him today. Oh, 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 say open the eyes. I want to see it like you see. I want to see you. Stay here, I want to see you. Let's go.
That is the sentiment of our hearts. We want to see God tonight. We're asking him to open up the eyes of our heart. Right now, we're excited to welcome our preacher into the virtual house. But before we let him in, before we let him in, I want to encourage you. Come on now. Go ahead and make sure that you share. I saw many of you in the comment section putting that you are a sharer. So we appreciate all of you who've shared thus far. But listen, I don't want anybody to miss out on this power-packed word. Pastor Hutchins and I went to God in prayer earlier today, and I'm excited about this word. So please make sure that you share. And also, I want to let you guys know that tomorrow, 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 we do have our QR Mystery Night. And our QR Mystery Night is going to have a mystery psalmist and a mystery preacher. Let me go ahead and throw this up on the screen for you real fast, just so that you can see this silhouette. Here it is. This is the first time that we're releasing these silhouettes. We want you to know that we have a mystery preacher and a mystery psalmist, and you all will have the opportunity to begin to put in who it is that you think are our mystery psalmist and preacher. And we will, again, reward those who get it right. So we say thank you for participating with us. Now, are y'all ready to hear a word? Are y'all ready to hear a word? Are y'all ready to hear a word? Listen, let me go ahead and invite our preacher into the virtual sanctuary, Pastor Hudgens. We welcome you. Thank you so much for coming through. The floor is now yours. It's my privilege. Thank you, Pastor Doggett, for just the invitation. I'm humbled to be a part of this, this great, great, great time we've had in revival. If there's ever a time that God's people need to hear the prophetic word that he's given specifically to the, our church to disseminate to the world, 
I believe it's now. I've been watching uh, over the nights and my soul has been blessed indeed. We'll give a word out to uh, the Bishop uh, Peeler for the gracious words of invitation. Uh, he has been a friend throughout the years and God is allowing us to move into our mature years together. And what a privilege it is to have colleagues such as uh, Pastor Peeler, just, just a friend indeed. I bring you greetings. Also, let me say a word to the sensei. I know he's not here with us. I was sharing with Pastor JD, which he didn't know that Pastor Doggett, his father and myself, we have known each other since uh, early age, five, six or seven from down in Southern California. He didn't know that Pastor Doggett Sr. Uh, growing up, if you had been around him, he was as quiet as a mouse. Who would ever thought that the great preacher was inside of him, but indeed God has done great things. I bring you greetings from Central California. Some of you are wondering just where Central California is. Well, let me help you, let me help you. Central California is home to the world champion, Golden State Warriors. I said it, I said it, I said it. Don't get us mixed up with that, that team down south, the Los Angeles Fakers, I mean the Los Angeles Lakers. I'm just, I'm just, I'm messing with the sensei. I'm messing with the sensei. I know he's a Laker fan. But we are grateful that God is moving all over the United States and surely his spirit is here with us in the Central California Conference. I've been moved as I've been preparing for my assignment, the quarantine two edition, the prophecy edition. And I believe I got a word. I'm not altogether sure, however, that you're gonna like everything I have to say. But I, I, I checked it over with the Holy Spirit and he told me they may not like it, but they will love it and will be good to their soul. So before we pray, I've got a text that I wanna get into. I got a text I wanna get into. Romans the eighth chapter, and I believe our speaker uh, our, will actually, our director will put it up on the screen to be read. I'm gonna take out my word. I believe you'll be looking at the uh, New Living Translation. In my Bible, I'm gonna be reading from the New King James Version by God's grace, Romans the eighth chapter. Now I'm going to read from verses 18 to 30. The Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, gives us a prophetic utterance that I believe will bless our hearts today. Paul says in verse 18, For I consider that the sufferings of the present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of sons. God, verse 20. For creation was subjugated to fertility, not willing, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Verse 22. But we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pains together until now. Not only that, but we also have the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. Verse 24, for we were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for what? For it with perseverance, verse 26, likewise, 
the Spirit also help us in weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Verse 28, for we know all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. For whom he foreknew, the Bible says, he also predestined, listen to the word, to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, verse 30, these he also called, whom he called, these he also justified, whom he justified, these he also glorified. Under the unction of the Holy Spirit, Paul says, he, he, he hears nature groaning, man groaning, and the Holy Spirit groaning. I want to spend a little time on this thought, the three groans. Let's pray together. Father, we need you now. We recognize that we are living in a time that some of us are just, just sober up to be in. And we don't need to hear philosophy. We need to hear from your spirit this evening. So I ask you to hide me like never before. And Lord, if you can use anything, you can use me. Touch my hands, Lord, and my feet. Touch my heart, Lord. Speak through me. We'll be careful to give you all the praise and the glory. And Lord, would you bind the enemy from distracting anyone from hearing God's word this evening and let your Holy Spirit fall all over the world. We'll be careful to give you all the praise and the glory. Let all of God's people say amen, amen, amen. Three groans, nature groans, man groans, and the Holy Spirit groans. The prophetic utterance that we are reviewing this evening in Romans 8 is one that we seldom look at. In fact, some have ever even perused it. But I suggest to you that it is one of the most dynamic prophetic utterances that the Holy Spirit has breathed through the human person to be prophetically proclaimed to God's people. And it is one that's applicable not just for Paul's day, the church, but the church today. You see, the contextual setting of this passage is one that we've got to get into by God's grace to understand exactly what the prophetic word is for us today. You see, all the, the, the gospels, as you study them, they were written, as it were, to cultures, to populace, to people. But the predominant writer of the New Testament, Paul, he, under the inspiration of his ministry, he writes letters to churches. Let me say that again. Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he writes letters to churches. And he's writing in our passage this evening specifically to the church in Rome. And hear me now, he, he under the unction of the Holy Spirit and under his experience, our prophet Ellen White says that when he writes this letter from Corinth, where he had made it into, she says he's under a heavier burden than ever before. You see, Paul is not just writing a letter to any church. Paul is writing a letter I'm suggesting to you to his home church. Paul is a Roman citizen. 
He's writing to those of the Jewish lineage that have a, a, a background heavy in doctrinal understanding all the way to the understanding of God giving to Abraham a prophetic word that the Jewish people would be a, a blessing to the entire world. And here Paul is disturbed. Hear me now, hear me now, hear me now. He's disturbed because he realized that there's trouble in the church in Rome. And the trouble is, is permeating not from those who have been blessed by the Holy Spirit, the Gentile converts into the church, but by a majority who is no longer a majority, the Jewish lineage. Paul's, he's disturbed about it. You see, if you take the book Acts right before Rome, Romans, and look at it from Acts 1 all the way up to Acts 10 to Acts 12, the Bible says the Holy Spirit was with God, this Christian church out of Antioch, and the Holy Spirit was so with them, the Bible says that they were not just adding souls every, every week, they were adding souls daily, they were having baptismal services every day, they were, they were quadrupling in size, so much so that you read in the New Testament, it got to a point that there was not one person in Jerusalem that didn't know about this Christian faith. So when we come to the letter in the book of Romans, oh, hear me now, I'm going somewhere. The, the, the Jewish culture that used to be the majority are now the minority. And if you look at Romans 14, the Bible is plain. And Paul is plain. He has a burden for those, hear me now, who, who have resisted resisted accepting the paramount call to all of the world. And here it is. He talks about it in Romans 1.17. He says that righteousness is by faith alone in Jesus Christ. He knows there's some that maybe he grew up with that have resisted. In fact, they have turned into Judaizers there in the church of Rome and they're causing havoc with the new converts. They're applying all these rules and these, these ceremonial laws that they know about to the new converts. Oh, I'm going somewhere today. I'm going somewhere. They're making up all these rules. Read Romans 14. It talks about them judging people and talking about what they're eating. They have these crazy rules like you, you, you can't eat Big Franks and Chili Man. You got to eat them separately, but you better not eat them together. What does that mean? Crazy rules. How you dress. How you do this. And it was further exasperated by the fact that there were other cultures. Oh, my, 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 my. You see, in Acts the 12th chapter, the Bible says in verse 1 that the king of Herod reached out to vex the church, meaning to strike the church and trouble the church. In verse 2, he says he, he put to the sword James, the brother of John, and the diaspora of the Christian church went around the world. So in the church in Rome, you had different cultures. And the majority were having a problem dealing with different cultures. In fact, you can say that this was the Roman Seventh-day Adventist church. Oh, you're not listening to me this evening. The Jewish now had a problem because they weren't the majority. But they still tried to control the church because they had more money than the other Gentile converts. But they realized that in essence, for them to, to carry on a deception, they had to be Judaizers. Well, you're not listening to me. So much so, so much so that a, 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 a controversy broke out in the church. 
where they had to have their first general conference session over in verses Acts 10 to 12. And Peter himself had to stand up and give witness. Peter says, I was there when the Holy Spirit fell down on the Gentiles. How in the world can we say that they're not accepted by God? But the Judaizers had their, their way of saying how you are righteous and how you're not righteous. You have to be dressing this way. You have to be eating this way. You couldn't wear certain things. And you, 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 you have to be of a certain culture. Paul is moved as he's, he's writing to this Jewish church. Another faction broke out over further on in Acts, about Acts the 13th or 15th chapter. The Judaizers, they wouldn't let it go. They said, in order to be right with God, hear me now, the issue that God has always been getting, trying to get across to his church, that there is only way to be right with heaven, and it's not by works lest any man should boast. The only way you are right in heaven is righteous by faith in the blood of Jesus Christ. But the Judaizers said, no, no, no. The new believers, they got to be circumcised. They got to be circumcised. They had the second general conference session. And, and, and they came to a conclusion under the unction of the Holy Spirit not to lay burdens on God's people. Now the church began to grow. So, so what do you say to a church that's rich in spiritual doctrines and doctrinal knowledge? What do you say to a church like that? Paul, under the unction of the Holy Spirit, says he, he, he almost sets up a virtual, perpetual milestone to move throughout the church. So in verse 22, he says, at the end of verse 22, he says, up to the present time, meaning that this prophetic message was to accompany the church all the way to the closing moments of her history. And hear me now, it is a dualistic application. It's speaking to the church in Rome and is speaking to us today. He says, nature groans, man groans, and the Holy Spirit groans. If we look in our Bibles, we will see that when he begins to discuss, as it were, this whole thing about nature groaning, Paul uses metaphoric language that we all can equate to. He says, nature is groaning as if it's in birth pains to be delivered. And, and, and some of us understand birth pains. I was blessed to be able to adopt my first two children. And through, through the miracle of medical technology, my third child was conceived under what they call, uh, 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 my mind is going, I can't even remember what it is. Anyway, I had her, come on now. And we went over to White Memorial Hospital. White Memorial Hospital, where I was born in 1957, and my Adventist mother had to go through the back door because they didn't let blacks in the front door in those days. And I'm in the waiting room, and I had been in the Lamaze class. I was ready to do my job, honey. And my wife, she, her cervix began to expand, and they taught me in, 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 in Lamaze class that my job is to count and help her get over the hump of that labor pain. And I, it, it's about two centimeters, and I'm counting. But then they gave her her epidural, and, and she, 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 she moved from, from three up to about nine or 10, and then the epidural began to wear off, and the pain really started. 
And I was ready, man. I was, she was starting, I was, I said, one, two. The nurse looked at me as if I was crazy. And I almost said, would you go over in the corner and do your counting over here? Because now we are on holy ground. I heard my wife cry out at the top of her voice, I want to die. And the language Paul is using here is meant to be violent. What in the world could be happening to the earth? that would be a perpetual reminder to his church as it moves throughout decades to the close of her history that, that, that righteousness is by faith alone in Jesus Christ. I wanna to suggest to you that we have been privileged, you and I, over the last 20 to 30 years to live in the fulfilling of Bible, Bible prophecy. This, this threefold prophecy is, has been uh, 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 fulfilled right in our own hearing. It was about April 2006 when a publication came out of Time magazine. And the article was interesting. It said, be worried, be very worried. Climate change isn't some vague future problem. It's already damaging the planet at alarming pace. And I'm quoting the article. The climate is crashing and global warming is to blame, the article claims. And it goes on to say, no one can say exactly what it looks like when a planet takes ill, but it probably looks a lot like the earth, still quoting. And hear me now, never mind what is causing the problem. Some are discounting this thing called global warming, but something is happening to the earth. Maybe it's nature groaning. The article continues, never mind what you've heard about global warming. This is 2006. As a slow emerging or emergency, but, but that would take decades to play out, the author says. She says, suddenly and unexpectedly, the crisis is upon us, the article states. The greenhouse effects. That's the effect because we put so much carbon dioxide into the air, it is thick in the atmosphere layer around the earth. And normal rays that would come in to the, the planet earth, hit the sea and bounce back out in the atmosphere because our atmosphere layer has been thickened. Those rays don't go back out into space. They bounce back down to the earth, thus rewarming the earth. We are experiencing some of the warmest times and warmest years we've ever, ever experienced. About this same time, Vice President Al Gore comes out with his book, The Inconvenient Truth. A very scary book along with the movie that came out. There's no shooting, there's no knifing, there's no blood, but it's one of the most sobering things that came and hit the world all about in the same time span, about 2006. In the book, President Al Gore presents 30 years of research where he has chronicalized the, the warming of the Earth's planet and the change that is bringing on us. He talks about icial glaciers, which on mountain ranges, they low, lay over the mountain into the valleys, and, 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 and over time, they might move down into the sea. And specifically, as we, we talk about this, this prophetic utterance about nature uh, 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 groaning, there was an occurrence in the Antarctic dealing with the, the Larsen B ice shelf, a gigantic shelf, some 150 miles long, 
some 30 miles wide and soaring up over the Arctic Sea, some 700 feet in the air. In fact, it's as large as the size of Rhode Island. The scientists, hear me now, the scientists all around the world began to see some, some dark spots on the Larson B ice ship. And they, they said, well, it's just, whatever's happening, it should still be all right. They expected it it's still to last another three or four decades. One of the largest ice shelves in the world. But then in January 31, 2002, all within the same time period, the scientists all around the world were shocked when the Larson B ice shelf within 35 days fell apart before the scientists of the world. Maybe it's not global warming, but I'm telling you, something is happening to the world. Then we look at some of the other things that are happening to the world. For example, when you talk about global warming, we are seeing impacts around the world of phenomenon that have never occurred before. It was about um, August 2006, off the coast of Oregon. Scientists begin to see what they had never seen before. They found a strip of ocean about 100 miles long about 20 miles wide. And as they put a camera going through this strip of, of ocean, they found not one single living creature in it, but at the bottom of the ocean, they found thousands of dead animals. And that began the phenomenon around the world called dead zones. You've been keeping up with it. In fact, outside of our camp meeting in SoCal, California, just two years ago, I sent my children down, my grandchildren down to the beach, and they couldn't get in the water because there was a shiny shim just off the beach. There was a dead zone. It's, it's, it's an area where it's been removed of all oxygen. They say it's a result of pesticides running off into the ocean. And around summer, the global tides begin to move around and this one off of Oregon comes into being and is getting worse as the years go by. There's, there's a dead zone in the Gulf of Mexico that's about 8,000 square miles of nothing but dead sea. The nutrients that run down from the Mississippi River into the Gulf zone, they bring nutrients and all of a sudden there's a, a bloom of algae and the algae take up all the oxygen, they die and go to the bottom and decomposes and nothing is able to live. The largest dead zone they've been watching around the world is in the Baltic Sea between Poland and Germany. Listen to this, it's getting larger. It is 27,000 square feet of nothing but dead ocean. Maybe it's nature groaning. And then, then lastly, I, I got to tell you about a phenomenon that started happening in about September of 2015, talking about the earth groaning and moaning. Around Siberia, they began to see humongous crevices in the earth's crust. They saw it, it, well, a couple to eight of them, and the scientists started trying to figure out what's, what's happening. 
They still are trying to ascertain. Some are coming up with different theologies, but I believe the most prevalent one is because of the earth warming up. This is the area where there should be frozen tundra, but it's beginning to thaw and they are thinking it's releasing methane gas and it is exploding. Maybe it's a nature growing. And I rise to tell you, what is it could Paul be telling the church in Rome and the church today about this first mobile milestone about righteousness faith. Here it is, here it is. Are you ready for it? Here it is. Why in the world are we as Christians making plans to live on a world that's dying? Jesus says, don't get ready. He said, be ready. And the question for you this evening, are you ready for the second coming of Jesus Christ? Do you know him? Do you know for sure that you are saved in the blood of Jesus Christ? So as we see these things happening in earth history, we see nature. And by the way, in the last 50 years on North America continent by itself, we have lost 3.5 billion birds in the last 50 years. In November of 2019, I was driving along and I heard one scientist say that that around the world, there has been a decline in the world population of birds of 25%. And he's trying to sound the alarm that if we do something about it now, we could save it. But you can't save this. It's prophecy. This world is coming to an end. Hear me now. Jesus Christ's second coming is not just to save people. It's really a rescue mission. Brazil is running out of water. They're rushing in trucks into India. We have done it. We have messed up the biosphere of the earth. And the only way out is through the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Paul says, I, I, I see nature growing. Then he says, I, 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 I see man growing. A perpetual milestone to re remind the church of righteousness by faith. What in the world could Paul be, be reminding us about by saying, he sees man groaning. We are beginning to experience some of the most inhumane suffering since there's been a nation on this earth. The scientists, if you take a toll of the scientists, they know what's going on. They're, they're quietly asking what's happening to the earth. Did you know there's a phenomenon now that's going around the world called a demographic bomb? Germany, since 2010, has had a zero growth rate, population-wise. All over Europe, the populations are not growing. Just a few weeks ago, I saw the census data for the United States. We are also not growing. And it's having some tremendous, tremendous results. In India, and China alone, hear me now, hear me now, who have had a one-child governmental policy. It is, it, is, it is reaping devastating results on those cultures in those cities. In India and China, because people, people valued having a, a, a female boy over a female, when the female babies were born, they killed them. And if you didn't know, they didn't, China just stopped its one child policy in 2015. 
And because of that, in China and India alone, they have they have 70 million more men than women. The Washington Post read a report, and Lord have mercy, it's startling. They, 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 they chronicle a family in China um, that has six sons and the effects are already begin to have on, on, on the family. The, the youngest son was the last hope for the family. He had a girlfriend in high school and they, they hoped that things would go well with that girlfriend. But lo and behold, when they graduated from high school at age 18, he broke up with the young lady. And the article finds the youngest son now 30 years of age, some 12 years later, and he has had no interaction with any female. And they say the psychological and sociological impacts are unlike anything we've ever seen. They say that in essence, they're seeing in these cultures, and that's why in India, if you didn't know it, over the last seven years, women were getting gang raped like the men were animals. It's because they haven't been or seen any women. And they're saying that psychologically, the men, oh my, 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 talking about suffering. They say the men, because we're males and we're made to know that we're males from interacting with a female because they are having no interaction with a female. The males are beginning to question their masculinity because the earth is coming to an end. Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy. Talking about man groaning. Look at the time we're living in now. Racism raising its ugly head like never before. And hear me somebody, hear me somebody, hear me somebody. Many need to know, you know what's one of the most worst things about racism? It's not the overt racism. I'm 63 years old. I've been living in this world a long time, my friend. It's the covert racism where they do subtle things to you and, and, and you try to report it and they look at you like you're crazy. Oh, uh, 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 you just got, you, you got to get along. No, 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 no. I'm talking about covert racism. Like was reported just on Wednesday. Did you see the report out of Wilmington, North Carolina? Where the chief of police announced that they had terminated three police officers. This just occurred. One pulled up to another police officer in his car, and he didn't know that his video recording device was active, accidentally activated. And he caught the, 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 the policeman in the other car uh, uh, saying some things that we all African-Americans know go on. Somebody said heaven is going to be nice for us because there won't be any covert racism. We can, we can be appreciated for who we are. We don't have to be worrying about this or worrying about that. I'm not even walking outside my house because they're lynching black men now. And the police officer said, uh, you know, that black girl, and he caught on the recording that I arrested yesterday, I needed to have put a bullet in her head right now. And the other one said, that's what I'm talking about. Drop her right now and move on. It recorded another conversation they had where they said the Black Lives Matter was happening. This was, Google it. They said, you know what? We can't wait for there to be a race war. A police officer said, he said, I can't wait to kill me some biggers. And you know the word I'm talking about, the rise, wouldn't you? He said, I'm a, I, 
I can't, I can't wait. I'm going to kill them all. And the other police officer said, no, I don't feel that way. Covert racism. That's why, that's why people are marching in the street. And hear me now, hear me now, hear me now, hear me now. Why in the world would the Apostle Paul set up a perpetual milestone to remind us about righteous by faith by talking about man suffering? Because here is the question that you and I must ask ourselves being members of God's church in this time of suffering. Where is the interpersonal Christian church? Oh, 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 you think I'm playing? COVID-19 has in essence been a referendum on the Protestant Christian churches in the United States. You don't think so? Without taking a survey, without talking to any pastors, COVID-19 single-handedly went through our community and made a decision about what was essential and what was not essential. And all of us are sitting in our houses now because society said our churches are not relevant socially. We have churches that are right scripturally, but they're irrelevant socially. In reality, they're nothing more than weekend country clubs where members move into church and hear transcending music and uplifting sermons, and they go back in their communities and have no real effect. God never intended his church to be so impersonal. Lord have mercy. God, forgive us. Forgive us. Where's the church at if you think that I'm wrong? And I'm indicting myself. Where's the church at? Russell Burrow, the former uh, evangelist and director of the NAD, had it right in his book, Revolution in the Church. When he says, a true church of God, when the community hurts, the church hurts. But where are we? Some, it's, it's, it's unprecedented pain, hurting pain in our community. So much so that every color, whites, blacks, yellow, browns are in the streets. Hear me now, hear me now, hear me now. And they're not going home. I watched myself. And they said some of the same people are so cut to the bone of the pain of a man being executed in the street that they're showing up night after night to be handcuffed and taken to jail, and they come back, and they're not home. And where's the church? Oh, we're in our beds, looking at it and saying, oh, honey, isn't that off? Let's have a word of prayer for them. OK, good night, honey. No, 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 no. How in the world can we be in our beds in the community that we are supposed to minister to is in the streets? God never meant for his church to be so impersonal. And I want to suggest to you, it is because we do not have something clear in our church. And that clear thing is what Paul is preaching with every ounce of his body. And he permeates it. He says, the just shall live by faith. It's righteousness by faith in Jesus Christ. He said it to the Corinthians. He said it to the Hebrews. He said it to the Galatians. And he sang it to us today, the righteousness. And oh, now we're getting to where I want to get to as we close. And I'm going to challenge your righteous thinking as we close out this message. He said, nature groans. Man groans. And said, Paul, the, the, the third perpetual moving milestone that I want to haunt the church and, and, and evaluate itself to whether or not it's in a right relationship with Jesus Christ. He says, 
I heard and I saw the Holy Spirit grow. Ah, ah, the Holy Spirit grow. You see, here's my premise. Here's my premise. We have minimized the ministry. No, no, let me correct that. We have minimized the intercessory ministerial ministry of the Holy Spirit during the judgment process. Oh, I'm in the text. 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 Look at what the Bible says. The Bible says, if you look at it in, in uh, 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 verses 26 and 27, twice it says, Interesting. We, we want to say the Holy Spirit is just uh, interpreting uh, uh, prayers. Uh, no, no, it's, it's more than that in the text. He's doing that, but I'm going to suggest to you, he's doing even more than that. You know, I'm trying to help the church now. I'm, oh, oh, this is where God, I believe, is has been, his messages have been clear throughout quarantine to the prophecy edition about where righteousness really is. He's trying to save us. It's through Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. And then look at verse, verse, verse 23. It also makes a reference, as it were, to the Holy Spirit being in us. And then in verse 29, the Bible says that the will of God is that Jesus, the Son, be manifested in us. Listen to me. Listen to me. I'm coming to the end. I want to challenge you going into this Sabbath day. Where we don't have to wonder whether or not we're saved, we can know that we're saved. And I want to say this because I want to say it to the end of my sermon. It is not about information, it's about transformation. Let me challenge you. The Holy Spirit is doing more than just interpreting our prayer. I want to submit to you that when Jesus, over in John 14 and 16, Especially 16, 7, he was telling me, he said, look, it's expedient that I go. I got, I got to go, you guys. I got to go. Christ recognized, and in the Trinity, his ministry has been accomplished. He said, I got to send the comforter to you. Then we interpret the Bible in terms of the great prophecy, the 2300 prophecy. But we calculated, we know that in October 22nd, 1844, according to our interpretation, that up in the most holy place, in Hebrews 8.1, a sanctuary that man didn't build, we know that Christ moved from the holy place into the most holy place. But it wasn't because of his ministry. I want to submit to you, it was because the Holy Spirit was taking over. When Christ came on the earth, it was Emmanuel, Christ with us. But when the Holy Spirit came, it was Emmanuel, Christ in us. And we have minimized the ministry of the Holy Ghost. So I'm going to challenge you this evening. You recognize that in Matthew 1.20, talking about the Holy Spirit groaning in pain, Ephesians 4.30 says, grieve not the Holy Spirit whereby ye are sealed. And if I recognize grieving and something moaning, uh, there's some pain with that. There's some pain with that. I'm going someplace. Did you know Matthew 1.20 says that when the Holy Spirit, uh, the angel Gabriel showed up and, and told her that you would be conceiving the Holy Child Jesus. And Mary said, how shall that be? And angel Gabriel said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. God has been trying to tell us 
that our salvation is only one way. That's by allowing the Holy Spirit to come upon us. Oh, you don't believe me. You don't believe me. You don't believe me. Let me challenge you with some quotations from Ellen White. Maybe you've never read before. Let's put up the first one, J.D. Listen to what she says in Bible commentary number seven. She says, Christ, at an infinite cost, by a painful process, mysterious to angels as well as to men, assumed humanity. A painful process. The Holy Spirit prepared the baby inside of Mary. It's the Holy Spirit, the Bible says in Genesis 1, uh, before anything else was said, it says the Holy Spirit was moving upon the face of the earth. It's his job to, to execute the will of the Father and the Son. And he creates, here's the next one, here's the next one, here's the next one, here's the next one, show the next one, J.D. This is the next one. We're uh, in Herald, September 22nd, 1891, as accurate as a photographer's plate. In the books of heaven, our lives are as accurately traced as is the picture on the plate of the photographer. Hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me. I, I believe in God forgive us. We have fallen short of teaching our Bible prophecy. Oh, we have our people, oh, oh, we have our people uh, on the edge of the sea. They're wondering, we preach it right, but we've fallen short. Hey, let's go to the next quote. Let's go to the next quote. And I think we can put it together. Listen to this quote from Review and Herald, May 16, 1899, uh, talking about a daily inventory. God judges every man according to his work. Not only does he judge, but he sums up day by day and hour by hour our progress in well-doing. Hey, I, I, be, I was baptized into this church when I was age five. I've been through hundreds of Revelation seminars. I remember coming out of that meeting, man, glad but concerned. When the Bible says in Matthew eleven twenty eight, Jesus himself says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And they would teach the thing about the investigative judgment that Jesus makes plain in Revelation 22 when he says, behold, I come quickly and my reward is with me. And then in 1 Peter 4, 17, Peter says, if judgment begins first with the house of God, then what shall become of the wicked? And I would leave those meetings wondering, man, on all my name, scared. We have minimized the ministry of the Holy Spirit. See, my supposition based on Romans 8 and the role of the Holy Spirit and the statements from Ellen White is that we are trying to put a finite mind on an infinite subject. When it says books, we assume it's like our books. But I want to suggest to you that these are digital books. Hour by hour, she says, he goes and looks at my name. He's not looking for any list. He's looking to see if the image of Christ is being formed in me. Have mercy on us, God. Have mercy on us. He's looking to see if the nature of Christ is being formed in us, Galatians 4.19. Paul, this has, been, this has been part and parcel of Paul's teaching righteousness by faith. He tells the Galatian church, my little children, using some of the same language, uh, uh, the metaphor language of Romans 8. He says, for whom I labor in birth again until Christ is formed 
in you. And let's be plain this evening. Let's be plain this evening. He's talking about the Judaizers that in the church. Read Galatians, the earlier chapters. In fact, he, he says, oh, foolish uh, Galatians, who had bewitched you? You moved away from righteousness and faith in Jesus Christ to back uh, judging by what you're doing. Whether I'm doing this or I'm doing that. When, when salvation is not based on what we do, it's based on how transformed we are. And he goes to the books. He's not looking for it. He says, David, I want that experience. Surrendered himself even more to Jesus. He's looking the formation of Jesus in me. And hear me now. This is where I got to talk to my church. I got to talk to my church. Just like the church in Romans 8 chapter. I want to suggest the Adventist church is full of frustrated Christians. Christians who, 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 who have been uh, given cisterns that can hold no water. Our, 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 our Revelation seminars have been good, but they stopped short of making sure our people know that there is no other name under heaven by which men shall be saved but in Jesus Christ. And we too have fought like the Jewish has. Oh, you, you don't think I, I know this church. 1888, Minneapolis, Minnesota, the General Conference session, where two young preachers, Wagner and Jones, to the, to the surprise of the contingency there, spoke their devotional message and they shook the General Conference when they declared under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that salvation is through the righteousness of Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. And Ellen White says, all hell broke out at the general conversation. She says it was one of the saddest experiences in her life. There was open rebellion against the prophet of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, Ellen White. Why? Because she said, that verily is the gospel. Righteousness in Jesus Christ. And there was open rebellion. Uriah Smith, who wrote the book Daniel Revelation, contended with Ellen White and said, my keeping the Sabbath, I know it's adding to my salvation. And Ellen White says, it's not adding one iota to your salvation. So I'm going to suggest to you that the Holy Spirit might say to us, oh, foolish Seventh-day Adventists, who have bewitched you? Jesus is it. Jesus is it. So hear me now. The most, in question, most important question in the world is not whether or not uh, uh, China will, will respond to the U.S. terrorists. It's not whether Kim Jong-un in North Korea will get a hold of nuclear arms. It's not even whether or not there will be a vaccine found to fight COVID-19. The most in question in the world that's ringing around the created world is who is like God in the personage of his son, Jesus Christ. And oh, there's a lingering question. There's a lingering question. How does he do it? The Holy Spirit. Second Corinthians 3 verse 18 tells us how he does it. Look at it. Paul being consistent. He says, but we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are being <laughs> transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. How does he do it? He does it through a method that we just don't understand. We've missed it. Oh, let me say it right. We, we, we pastors have not taught our people. 
We teach our people that when we go to prayer, we're, we're passing along to God information. But I'm going to suggest to you that, that prayer and Bible is the Holy Spirit's transformation laboratory. How do you know that? Because I know it because my Lord Jesus Christ. Mark 1 says, arising up a great while day, before day, he went out into a solitary place and there prayed. In his hour of ages, the prophet Ellen White says, even after a day of ministering and healing people, he would come in the evening and he would sometimes, before he would even eat, he would go to his prayer time and sometimes he spent hours there and he would forget to eat. Why? Because Christ knew it wasn't about information. It was about being available for the Holy Spirit to transform him. That's all you need. So we've got Adventists that are eating the right thing. Wearing the right thing, saying the right thing, but they are miserable. And hear me now, they are powerless because they don't have the Holy Spirit with them and they have a form of godliness and no power. So preacher, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? You see, you see, it's the approach. It's not about information. It's about transformation. I'm in the word. I'm in the word. In the New Testament. Jesus gave the example himself. He says there was a Pharisee and a publican that came to the synagogue to pray or hear the word this evening. And, and Christ asked, which one left justified? <laughs> right with God. The Pharisee was praying information. I thank God I'm not like anybody else. I thank God you've been blessing me to do this. And, 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 but the publican, hear me now, hear me now. There's a distinct difference between the prayer of information and the prayer of submission. But the publican was praying the prayer of submission. He beat his bow. He wouldn't even look up to heaven. He said, God, have mercy on me. That's the prayer. That's the prayer of submission. Prayer experience, when we recognize that it's the time of the Holy Spirit. And I got that now. I got that now. I got that now. I'll be in my car. I won't even turn on my radio because I'll just be saying, Lord, change me, change me, change me. It's transformation we need, not information. And hear me now. We don't have the Holy Spirit. Our prophet states it's because we don't need him. And some of the same schisms that we're in the church in Romans 8 listen to me, are in our church. Why in the world would you spend millions of dollars, assign assignments to 13 world divisions, and over a period of four years, study the topic of women in ministry? And when the report comes back, six other divisions say, look, 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 it's not for us, but if the other divisions want to do it, we're fine with it. And the five other divisions say, it's okay with us, and one abstain. And why would you spend all of that money and then come to your general conference session and ignore it? And subterfuge and keep women down. I'll tell you why you would do it, because the Holy Spirit is not with you. Holy Spirit makes free. The Holy Spirit groans. Man groans. Excuse me, nature groans. Man groans. The Holy Spirit groans. We get the sun. We get the sun. That's the perpetual 
milestone, prophetic utterance that will keep God's people free. Recognizing that when I go to God in prayer, I've got to be submitting the life. The Pharisees never submitted their lives. And many of us, we have never submitted our lives. Oh, 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 oh I got a better way. I put up the last quotation, uh, J.D. Pastor Morris Benton said it better than anybody I've heard. He said, if you're trying to make it to heaven any other way than by a devotional life, a prayer and Bible study, you're trying to work your way into heaven. Oh, that's the truth. That's the truth. You see, devotional life, Jesus loved being with God so much. He never let anything interrupt his devotion life. And we've got to copy the pattern. Paul at the end of Romans 8, he says, what shall separate us from the love of Jesus Christ? He wasn't just talking about, he was talking about, he wasn't going to let nothing separate him from his devotional life because he recognized that's where his power comes from. That's where his transformation comes from. And hear me now, when a person has the image of Christ inside of them, all the outward actions will be what they should be. Hey, a person will get to right doctrine if they spend time with Jesus. But we in the Adventist church, we want to catch fish and we want to clean them too. Just like the Judaizers. We crush people's spirit. Before the Holy Spirit can get them along, we start telling them, you got to do this, you got to do that, instead of praying for them and loving them and, and letting them grow up in God through the power of the Holy Spirit, we run people out of our churches. Oh, foolish Seventh-day Adventists, who would be with you? Nature groans. Man groans. The Holy Spirit groans. We get the sun. Let me close. Let me close with this. Uh, Pastor Humphreys utilized parts of this closing too. And I was going to change, but the Holy Spirit said, no, 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 no. Say it again. Because it's gospel. It's a story about a wealthy man and his son who loved to collect rare works of art. I wish I had Daniel Kelly's organ about now coming in to give me some help. It says they had everything in their collection from Picasso to Raphael. They would often sit together and admire the great works of art. But when the Vietnam conflict broke out, the son went to war. He was very courageous and died in battle while rescuing another soldier. The father was notified and he grieved deeply for his only son. About a month later, the story told goes, uh, just before Christmas, there was a knock at the old man's door. A young man stood at the door with a large package in his hands. He said, sir, you don't know me, but I'm the soldier for whom your son gave his life. He said he saved many lives that day, and he was carrying me to safety when a bullet struck him in the heart, and he died instantly. The young man said he often talked about his father and your love of art. And the young man held out his package. He says, I know this isn't much, sir. I'm not really a great artist, but I think your son would have wanted you to have this picture I painted. The father opened the package right there on the site. It was a portrait of his son painted by the young man. The father stared at it in awe that the way the soldier had captured the personality of his son in the painting. 
The father was so drawn to the painting that his own eyes began to well up with tears and he thanked the young man and offered to pay him for the picture. And that young man said, oh no, sir, oh no, sir, no, sir. I could never repay what your son did for me. It's a gift to you. The father was moved. He went immediately over the fireplace and took down a million dollar Van Gogh and hung the picture of his son over the mantel. Every time visitors came to his home, he took them to see the portrait of his son before he showed them any other great works he had collected. Then the man died a few months later. There was a great auction of his paintings that took place. Many influential people gathered excited over seeing the great paintings and having an opportunity to purchase one for their collection. To begin the auction, on the platform sat the painting of the sun. The auctioneer pounded his gavel. We will start bidding with this picture of the sun. Who will bid for this picture? And there was silence throughout the gallery. Then a voice in the back of the room shouted, we want to see the famous paintings. We want to see, we don't want to see, skip this one, go on. But the auctioneer persisted. Someone has to bid for this painting. Who will start the bidding? He says $100, $200. Another voice is shouting angrily, we didn't come to see this painting. We came to see the Van Goghs, the Rembrandts. Get on with it. We don't want it, this thing. But the auctioneer continued. He said, the sun, the sun, who will take the sun? And finally, a voice came from the very back of the room. It was the longtime gardener of the man and his son. And the gardener says, I'll give $10 for the painting being a poor man. It was all he could afford. The auctioneer says, we have $10. Who will bid $20? They said, give it to him for, for $10. Let's go. We want to see the masters. And the auctioneer banged his gavel, $10 going once, $10 going twice, $10 going third, third time, sold to the gardener for $10 and the crown was becoming angry. They didn't want any more. They said, okay, let's get on it. We wanna see the expensive paints, bring them out. And to their amazement, the auctioneer, the next thing he did, he laid down his gavel. He said, I'm sorry, the auction is over. They said, well, what about the great paintings? What about, he says, I'm sorry. When I was called to conduct this auction, I was told of a secret stipulation in the will. <laughs> I was not allowed to reveal that stipulation until this time. Only the painting of the sun would be auctioned off. Hear the word of God this evening. Whoever bought the painting of the sun would inherit the, in inherit the entire estate, including all the other paintings. The man who took the sun Cut everything. <laughs> hey, hey, 2,000 years ago, God gave his son to come down to this earth to die for you and I, that the yoke that we would bear would be a light one. It would be none of a burden. All we got to do is make sure on a daily basis we submit our lives to him. We find a quiet place and say, Lord, I'm sorry. Have mercy on him. And, and, and the Bible record is that whoever gets the son gets everything. Hey, nature groans. Huh? Man groans. The Holy Spirit groans. And we get the son. And whoever gets the son gets everything. You didn't hear what I said. I said nature groans. 
man groans, the Holy Spirit groans, and we get the Son. Whoever gets the Son gets everything, and that's the gospel. That's it. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. That's my story. Not one thread of human devices. And the joy was spread throughout you because we let loose of that burden of trying to do things, but Christ becomes our righteousness for us. Oh, oh, when I think about it, can I celebrate? Can I celebrate? When I think about this salvation, hey, if I, if I, were, if I were Nigerian, I'll say, oh, say, Baku. If I were Japanese, I'd say, Oregatane. If I were Italian, I'd say, Gassimilia. If I were German, I'd say, Donkashim. If I were Jamaican, I'd say, thank you very much. But since I is what I is, just a nappy-headed African-American, I'll just lift my black hand and say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you. Thank you that salvation is by you alone. I don't worry about what people think or what they say. I don't have to worry about it because I'm right with Jesus. I'm right with Jesus. And when I'm right with him, I've got a peace that Paul says passes all understanding. And many of us have never experienced it. Taking care of things. That's, that's the most, you can even die because you're right with Jesus. You're right with Jesus. That's the gospel that we've got to teach and preach. We got to stop minimizing the ministry of the Holy Spirit. He's been sent here. Read John 14 and 16. He's the one that teaches all things, to guide us into all things. It's his ministry, and he's, he's grieving because he's waiting, and we won't let him do it. My prayer as we go into this Sabbath day, this won't just be another Sabbath for somebody. This will be the Sabbath. You take off the shackles of Adventism and put on the righteousness of Jesus Christ and be free. And hear me, all those things are important, but they're secondary. They, they are a result, they're a result of a person responding to the goodness of God. I'm not a I'm not a, a vegetarian vegan because I'm and by the way, I know this church, Council on Diet and Food, says the highest aim of health reform is the development of the mind. Transformation is not about information, it's about transformation. So I don't do these things because I'm trying to be a Christian. I do them because I am a Christian. Peace. And the one thing I want to do is be more loving around my family. Just Paul says, when we have love, St. Paul, he says, when we have love, we have fulfilled the law. And we minimize that thing. Oh, it's not just about love. No, it's all about love. If we love, there's no way in the world we wouldn't be in the streets 24-7 with the society hurting like it is. But all we're concerned is about our own personal uh, 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 salvation. And that's not God. The Bible says God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And our prophet Elamite says when the same passion shows up in us that drove Christ from heaven, he came because he couldn't bear to be without us. And if one, just one person has sin on the face of the earth, he would have come down and did it and died for you and I. She says, when that same passion shows up in God's people, he's coming back the second time. You know why? Because, and by the way, thank God for coronavirus. We're out of our churches. We're out of the buildings. But we need to get in the community and minister. And minister. What do you mean? The love of God is shown. I talked about it's shown. 
the Holy Spirit moves us to do something. And that's what's missing in our church, the love of God, the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit, notice he said the fruit. I'm laboring because I'm trying to get across to someone. Hear me now. Christ, when he comes back the second time, 1 Corinthians 15, he can change your physical body in a twinkling of eye, but he can't change your character. You plant a peace tree. I did it in my house in Lancaster. I planted a peace tree. And hear me now. I couldn't get fruit off that tree until another three or four years. The Holy Spirit is saying, I've got to sit with you. I gotta, I gotta, I wanna mold you. I wanna work with you, but we haven't submitted. Some of us have never submitted. And that's what the Sabbath is about. The first Sabbath of submitting, and then daily. If any man come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. Paul says, I die daily, hourly, recognizing I'm nothing. I need you, Jesus. Spending time in devotion, just, just, just moving, asking the Holy Spirit, just do it, do it again, do it again. Lord, I'm sorry, but we act the prayer of submission versus the prayer of information. I'm about to pray, and maybe, maybe you don't want this to be this to be another Sabbath, but the Sabbath when the Holy Spirit comes down in your soul like never before. And you will have glory like never before. Heavenly Father, I've attempted in human words to reveal what is divine. In fact, it couldn't even be described. It had to be done. Jesus coming down to save penitent man. And Father, as we begin to go into this Sabbath floor, like never before, some people are hearing the gospel and they've been in the Adventist church for 40 years. It's by righteousness and faith in Jesus. Lord, don't let them rest. May this word burden in their hearts as they examine themselves to see whether or not they're in the faith. Don't let them rest, Holy Spirit. Mess with them until they begin to gruel out of the bed and submit their lives. They begin to moan and say, Lord, I'm sorry. I want to do more. Lord, how can I How can I be more loving to my spouse? Move and say, Lord, I, I want to pray about my son, but I want to do something. I want, Lord, move in me. Lord, put him on the knees. Lord, we be careful. And there may be someone, before I close this prayer, you are hearing the gospel, and, 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 and you want the Holy Spirit in your life. And you want to surrender. You want to submit as Jesus did. Not just by words, but you want lessons to be taught to you and lead to a public affirmation of Jesus. We invite you to respond to the links that will be shared at the end of the service. And get in contact with the administration of the Quarantine to Prophecy Seminar. And they will begin to guide you on a path that would lead you to a more sure word of prophecy as the day dawn in your heart. Now may the Lord bless thee and keep thee. May the Lord make his face to shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. May the Lord lift his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. In the name of Jesus we pray for Christ's sake. Amen. Amen. Amen and amen. If you were blessed by this message, if you received the word of God as preached through his manservant, 
Pastor David Hudgens. I want you to press that heart button. Make sure you press share and you get the word out here so that this message that you received this evening can also be received by someone else. You know how we do it, Pastor Hudgens. We don't allow the preacher to pour into us and leave without us taking some time to pour back into you and to intercede on your behalf. Will you please offer us the privilege of praying for you at this moment? Let's pray. If you're viewing, tune in to the frequency of heaven and let's connect our faith with one another. Let's pray and intercede on behalf of Pastor Hudgens. Father in heaven, we thank you for this mighty man of God. We're grateful for this clear and convicting word that highlighted the ministry of the Holy Spirit and righteousness by faith. We thank you, Lord, for giving this preacher boldness. We pray that you would prop him up and that you would continue to give him the stamina and the endurance that's required to continue taking this word of the gospel and exalting Jesus wherever you desire him to go. I pray, Lord, that you'd bless his family. I pray that you would bless his going out and his coming in. Whatever his hand touches, may it prosper. I pray, Lord, that you would pour back into him as he has now delivered your message with obedience to us this evening. And we pray, Lord, that you would Please allow those of us who've received this word to not just merely embrace it intellectually. We want more than information according to this word tonight, Lord. We need transformation. So we say thank you for your Holy Spirit. We say thank you for this man of God. And we say thank you that we're transitioning into a new season of power because we have the indwelling Christ on the inside of us. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, we pray this prayer in faith. Amen. amen. And amen. Thank you again, Pastor. I appreciate you for preaching that powerful word. And we want to encourage you, if you are desiring to connect with us through baptism, Bible study, spiritual guidance, special prayer, then please use that link that you should see right there on your screen. Please use it. Reach out to us. We are here. And again, thank you, Pastor, for coming through and preaching such a power-packed word. Ladies and gentlemen, what a night. What a night. We thank you so much for worshiping with us this evening. We have one more experience left, but we want you to allow this word to marinate tonight as you go to sleep. Pray, pray that God would allow this message to to sit in your heart and that you would embrace everything that was delivered and that the spirit of God would move you to a higher level from faith to faith, from glory to glory. Thank God for his powerful word. Again, we encourage you to get some rest tonight. Rest in the Holy Spirit. Allow this Sabbath to be just that. Rest in God during these sacred 24 hours. And again, make sure that you share this message. We will po post for you the flyer that will have the silhouette of our psalmist and our preacher, our mystery psalmist and our mystery preacher. And we want you all to look forward to tomorrow night's experience. But as you're looking forward to tomorrow night, we need you to embrace what God has done tonight. We thank God for sending his Holy Spirit and for sending this power packed preacher to deliver his word. We love you. We're praying for you. Again, if you need special prayer, reach out to us. Use this link right here. We're waiting. Our team is in position and we are willing and desirous to connect with you and to help push you in this season of your life. Again, we love you. Have a great evening and we will see you tomorrow.